0: Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today we start a message series called That Guy. And you know who that guy is. Uh, you've seen him on the road. Uh, that guy that's been driving next to you. That guy that's driving slow in the left lane. Y'all pray for your pastor. Um, That's not me. I'm that guy that's going, I wish you would stop driving slow in the left lane. Um, There's all kinds of difficult people in the world. I want to talk to you today about how to deal with difficult people. And we are going to, we'll be answering that question. We'll be looking specifically at Alexander the coppersmith now, we send out text messages and app pushes from time to time to give you information. Anybody get those text messages? You get those text messages? If you don't you want to, just make sure you put your cell number on a connect card. Drop that in the offering at the end of service and we'll get you uh, hooked up there. But we push out, pushed out a text message this, this week saying that we are going to talk about how to deal with difficult people this week. So a retired police officer in our church texted back. He texted back and he said, Well, what I did before I retired is I arrested him. I'm like, well, that's that's easier for you, that's easier uh, then than it is now, because you know, de- dealing with difficult people, you can't just, you know, just like make it go away. Because a lot of times we're married to difficult people. Amen or oh me. <laughs> Amen or oh me, right? We have difficult people as children, difficult people as parents. My mom was in the nine o'clock service. I made sure to let her know she is not one of those people. Uh, Don't go titling. Y'all do that all the time. Y'all go talk to my mom after I'm done preaching. That stuff happens in here. Tanya, it happens in here. Um, We work for difficult people. We have difficult people working for us. You will not go through life avoiding difficult people and people will not go through life avoiding you. The reality is every single one of us in here have specialty areas of being difficult. And so my goal is that today we would acknowledge that about ourselves and also begin to develop biblical tools for dealing with difficult people. Now, I wanna open up by sharing a little something that we've been processing lately as a church. I shared a little bit about last week about how we're trying to equip our ministry leaders, our pastoral staff, to deal with some of the difficult ideologies and the challenging situations that are being thrust on our kids, on our students, on people in the workplace. Listen, I I am always gonna open up the scriptures and I'm gonna preach what the Bible says but I want us to be aligned across the church. And the reason is because I don't want us abandoning our people to be discipled by pop culture. You know, I love the time that we have to spend on Sunday mornings. I love this time. I love that we have small groups. I love that we have night of worship. I love that we have joy university. I love that we have children's church and student ministry and young adults And we have the senior adults ministry and we have all of these really wonderful things that are going on. But, you know, one or two or three hours a week is going to have a hard time competing with 24-7 indoctrination on this sucker right here. We've got schools, government, influencers, other churches. You know, just because someone's a pastor and just because a church is called the church doesn't mean that... It's a, it's a man of God or a woman of God or a church of Jesus Christ. You know, there are a lot of people that are preaching parts of the Bible, but not the full gospel. And, you know, just having a little bit of time to share, and then because we don't like dealing with difficult situations and difficult people, we say, you know what? I'm going to skip this topic right here because this one's a doozy. You know, and I know on row 17... Or, you know, there's somebody that's going through this right now, so I can't talk about that. Or we have a really good giver here that deals with this. Or there's somebody that's got a really big following on social media that if I say this, they're going to... Ble- we can't do that. But if we're doing that, people are going to fill in the blanks on their own. So I told our team, I said, we're just going to align and we're going to make sure that this culture is 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 not using our children as human shields to advance their ideology, right? And there's all kinds of ideologies that are being pushed. Let me, let me just say this. Let me, let me just tell you. I'm not gonna have a 12-year-old kid in their student ministry putting their pronouns and their rainbow emojis on their social media without he- them hearing what the word of God has to say about it, okay? And, and not doing it just because, amen? And not doing it just because, a friend is doing it or everybody, cause that's what a lot of this is. It's just a real peer pressure to do certain things, to say certain things. But let me tell you, I just want to tell you what the Bible has to say about you. And now, you know, whenever we do that, the people get, they start squirming. They're like, oh my gosh, pastor, I invited a friend today. You know, teenagers are like, I invited my boyfriend. My girlfriend came. I hope church doesn't get crazy today. All, I know all that stuff is going on. Listen. I I have quit caring about that stuff a long time ago. You know why? Because I love you and I love Jesus. And so we're gonna talk about these things. And it's it's not just about sexuality, sexuality or gender identity. It's also about money and ambition and material possessions and race, and relationships, everything. Oh, pastor, we don't talk about politics. We don't talk about those things. Let me tell you, Jesus is either Lord of all or not at all. He owns every single piece of the earth. He rules and he reigns. And if one topic, one area, one ideology, one area of thought is off limits, to God, then he's not God, that thing is, right? And so what we're saying is all domain belongs to the Lord. So we're going to talk about it. Now, when we do that, let's just be honest, it's going to be difficult for some people. I've watched people stand up and walk out of church. You know, I'm like, well, they, they got to go to the bathroom. I'm thinking, I don't know. Some people have small bladders, you know, I, I, I don't know. But growing up when we had church, man, we had church for a long time. And I'd lean over to my mom and say, I gotta go to the bathroom. And man, she would hit me with an elbow that was like well-delivered. You know, it was like GPS guided. Man, she got me right up in the kidney and I'm like debilitated now. You know, I'm just laying over there on the pew. People thought I got the Holy Spirit and fell out right there in the pew. No, my mom just caught me and she always did it below the pew line. You know, so the people sitting behind her couldn't see her being abusive to her child in church, you know. I'd hold it for three hours, you know. Maybe they just have to go to the bathroom. Seven people having to go to the bathroom all at the same time. Well, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're gonna talk about it every Sunday. Pastor was stepping on my toes today. Well, sometimes it may be me. Even Paul, sometimes Paul would say, now this is Paul speaking. He'd give his opinion. But listen, when it's the word of God, don't take it up with me. Take it up with the Holy Spirit, amen amen. Go ahead, go ahead, just bless the Lord, right there, just <laughs> pastors, not on you. so so we engage this topic i'll engage it i 'm not doing it all the time, but sometimes I do. This week, I did. this week, when USA Today came out and said that Rachel Levine was the woman of the year, and I'm like, man, I felt like Popeye I've had alls I can stand. I can't stand no more. I just had to say something so. Um, Let me just say something. First of all, this is Rachel Levine. Actually, this is Richard Levine, okay? This is Richard Levine. I'm not here to minimize or diminish any human being. I want to say this right up front. Every single person that lives in Mobile is welcome in the house of the Lord. Richard Levine is made in the image of God, created in the image of God, And Richard Levine, just like Travis Johnson, was born in sin and in need of a savior. And there are not certain sins or certain temptations that are exempted from repentance. Everyone, everywhere must bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody, everybody. So look, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the right to identify however he wants and live however he wants. This is America, it's a free country. I'm not gonna make you do anything, but I, what I'm saying is there's a couple of things. For Christians, we cannot do that. Biblical Christians. But then secondly, let me just tell you something. Rachel Levine is not a woman. That is a man. That is a man. Don't look at me like that, okay? Listen. There is no surgery, no identification, or no clothing that you can wear that will change your biology. Amen. Yes. Okay, I'm, Pastor, why are you meddling? Uh, one, again, live how you want. However, for someone that for two years has been telling us to follow the science, and then... I don't need to say anymore. I'm just saying it's not true. The, the Bible says that we should take every vain imagination that exalts itself above the name of Jesus Christ and bring it into captivity. I'm not saying this to diminish Dr. Levine, but I am here to tell you as mothers and fathers and people that are pursuing God on some level, you are here, you've chosen to be here. You are, you are pursuing God. I just want you to hear that God knew what he was doing when he made you as complicated as you are. And in his original creation, we were perfect. And then sin entered into the world and God loved us enough that he gave us Jesus to reconcile us back to him. So whatever your temptation is, whatever your challenge is, I want you to know the Lord loves you. I love you. You are welcome here but every single one of us have to confess to the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved, okay? So I wrote about that. And then like the next day, um, William Thomas or Leah Thomas won the NCAA Division I 500-meter swimming championship, national championship. And so Leah or William is standing on on the left, William was a 462nd male swimmer in NCAA division one. And then chose to identify as a woman to be able to swim in this competition. Pastor, it's not fair. We ought not to discriminate. I agree. It's not fair to the silver medalist that she's not the gold medalist. It's not fair to the bronze medalist that she's not the silver medalist. There's another picture with the second, third, and fourth place competitors standing together because those were the three winners. There were 16 women, uh, 16 competitors that qualified for the championship race. There was a 17th competitor that was a woman that did not qualify for the championship race because a six foot one, six foot two man took her place. Somewhere out there, there is a woman that lost her college scholarship to compete in the Ivy League, uh, in the NCAA, that does not get to swim somewhere. Well, they went to some other school. Okay, she went to some other school, and she displaced somebody. There is a student somewhere that Penn tuition, $76,000 a year, room and board. You're talking 100000 Somebody lost $400,000 because of a lie. Yes. Pastor, you are being offensive. I'm being truthful, I'm being, I'm being truthful. Again, again, again. The swimmer can identify and live however he would like to, but it's not fair to women. I'm a father of two women. I've watched my kids their whole lives Compete in soccer. It's not right for a man to walk in that locker room or for a man to step on that field or to compete for scholarships. It's not fair. It's unjust. It's not right. And so I said that. Now, when I said that, You know, even within the church, even right now, some of y'all brought a friend for the very first time They're at Pathway right now and the backs of your legs are sweating. You're going, I I love it when pastor does this, but not today, pastor, not today. It just is what it is, baby. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So you, you know what I'm saying? Like I weighed in to discuss this and when I did, as difficult as it is for us on social media, it becomes difficult. And so it got a little difficult. I had some challenges when I I shared. I had some people call me and say, Pastor, I can tune somebody up. I'm like, we're gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be good. I'm gonna come back and finish that story a little bit later, okay? Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, in this world, you will have difficulties just because you dare to believe on Jesus Christ. It's old fashioned, it's a fairy tale, it's folklore. Uh, People say all kinds of things about this book, about the word of God. I remember even in my own church, my larger tribe, my denomination, I was getting ready to tackle an issue and an esteemed brother told me, if Travis, if you take on that topic, they're going to label you as parochial and fundamentalist. I said, that's not an insult to me. I believe the word of God is true. And if that makes me unpopular with somebody in our tribe, spell my name right. Just spell my name right, I'm okay with it. Now that doesn't mean that when we deal with difficult situations and difficult people that we should be unnecessarily difficult. Handling difficult conversations with your family is challenging. Handling challenging, difficult situations in this culture is very challenging. Brothers and sisters, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is what the Bible says. We don't need to unnecessarily harm people, but not for one second are we going to allow these ideologies to use our children as human shields to advance their ideology? We will not be silent. We will not be quiet. We will speak the truth, but we will speak the truth in love. Amen? Okay, so this is where we are. Now, jump with me over into 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, and into the book of Acts, and just get your hands on those places. I'm going to share with you about a father in the faith, Paul, who was discipling his son in the faith, Timothy. Paul was on the runway. He was seeing the end of his life coming and he was preparing to hand off the baton to his protege, his young protege, Timothy. Timothy and Paul were ministering in the second largest city in the world in Ephesus, some 250 to 400,000 people in this city. It's in Turkey. Kelly and I have been there. It's a beautiful Beautiful city is one of the most complete set of ruins I've ever been in. It's not like Rome or Athens where you have modern buildings. You know, like I stood in McDonald's and looked out the glass window at the Pantheon in Greece. That's pretty wild. No, Ephesus is all ruins. It's gorgeous. You can see it right there. Running water, sanitation system, mosaic tiles and homes. I mean, Colosseum, library, it's incredible stuff. Paul is there and he's instructing Timothy. The environment that he's instructing them in is that there was a great revival in Ephesus. The revival was so great, so many people came to know Jesus that people began to be upset with what was going on. The reason they were upset is because Ephesus was known for this great temple, the temple of Artemis. Artemis was a God that the people served. There's all kinds of debauchery, all kinds of sinfulness, all kinds of terrible things that were going on inside of this temple. There were temple prostitutes, a number of things that were going on. And the gospel of Jesus Christ spread so rapidly across this world-class city that people stopped buying the idols, the silver idols, the gold idols, the copper idols to Artemis. It wasn't that the church passed a law. It, it, It wasn't that the church rose up and picketed. They organized on Facebook and went out with signs and protested in front of the temple. You know what happened? God got a hold of the people's hearts in Ephesus and so many people came to know Jesus. This was the environment. Paul's getting them ready. Um, Paul was telling, getting Timothy ready because here's what Paul knew. It's what I want you to know today is that difficult people are a challenge for everyone. Say that with me. Difficult people are a challenge for everyone. It doesn't matter what career you have. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or you work in research it doesn't matter what you do. You put two people together, one of them is probably going to be difficult. So Paul was instructing Timothy. And now when this great revival happened in Ephesus, Um, and the goldsmiths, coppersmiths, the silversmiths began to lose their income, they got upset. You know what, you mess with people's income, you mess with people's money, people get upset, right? We're debating right now, or we were debating whether or not to cut off buying oil from Russia because what it could do to gas prices. People don't want their money messed with. Put the tuition up on the kids' school, and people get upset about that every time. Every single time. Never mind the fact the teacher's got to eat, you know. The insurance is going up. Inflation's happening for everybody, but mess with somebody's money. The Happy Meal goes up a dollar and you'll have some Karen somewhere. What's the opposite of a, Karen, uh, a male, a kin, I guess, right? Uh, <laughs> they will be tripping out and showing up on YouTube Because of some, they they throw a Chick-fil-A sauce at somebody because their happy meal went up. you know. Don't mess with people's money. Their money was messed with. And the next thing you know, the silversmiths and the goldsmiths go start this rumor and get a riot going. There's a mob of people. There are people that are swept up into this mob that don't know anything that's going on. One of those people that was there was Alexander the coppersmith. Alexander the coppersmith was a Jew Paul was a Jew. He should have been, Alexander the coppersmith was making idols for this whole situation. It was a violation of uh, one of the 10 commandments that thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so this riot is happening. I wanna take you now to Acts chapter 19 and let's look at verse 32. This riot is going on outside and it goes inside the building. Inside, verse 32, inside the people were all shouting some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. Have you ever been caught up in an environment like that after an Alabama game? You know, have you ever been caught... Have you ever been a teenager and you went and skipped school with a bunch of kids and somebody said, "Hey, let's go do this." And you didn't want to do it, but other people did it and you went with them and the next thing you know, you're in trouble. You didn't even do anything, but you were there. Somebody, you know, somebody shoplifted something or somebody spray-painted something or somebody, well, you're like, "Pastor, you should have had better friends when you're a teenager." You know, I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, it was easy to get swept up in things. These were some of the people there says the Jews in verse 33, the Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. This story goes on through the rest of Acts chapter 19 and then on into Acts chapter 20. 1 Timothy 1 and 2 Timothy 4 is is giving teaching and referring to Acts chapter 19. This is the case for a lot of the epistles. The book of Acts is the history of the church and the epistles are instructions to the church that formed during the book of Acts. Just to give you a little history there, a little context there. Now when I read this, What I imagine the Apostle Paul saying to Timothy is this. He's saying how we engage difficult people matters for the gospel, it matters for our peace, and it matters for our effectiveness. All of our life matters, but there are certain crossroads that we come to, certain thresholds that we come to, certain moments in our life where we're dealing with a difficult situation or a difficult person and how we engage that moment will change the direction of our life. Paul is saying, Timothy, you're gonna be pastoring this church. It's the biggest church in all of the world. And you're just a young pastor. You don't even get to have a starter church. A lot of people don't wanna start a church. Let me tell you, I'm glad that I learned how to pastor a church with 27 people when I started. Now, I never got appointed to a bigger church or voted in at a bigger church, as I learned how to pastor 27 people, they turned to 50 and they turned to 100, they turned to 500, they turned to 1000. But I'll tell you what, I'm not the same pastor I am today as when when I was 27. Thank God for that. Now I'm still growing. I believe the Lord's gonna continue to help me grow and he's gonna help us grow which is why I want to talk to you today about how to deal with difficult people. How you handle these people is going to matter for your family. It's going to matter for your career. It's going to matter for the gospel. It will help you to sleep at night and it'll help you move forward in life. Well, you know what, pastor, when I'm dealing with difficult people, I go talk to my friends. Listen, there are some of your friends, you do not need to talk to them. But pastor, they're dealing with difficult people all the time. I know that's why you don't need to talk to them. If they were doing this thing right, they wouldn't be in drama all the time. Go find somebody that's not always in drama, and you talk to them and you figure out how it is that they're handling stuff so that you can grow and you can move forward. Oh, what was that? That's right. Find, find a mother or father in the faith <laughs> that you can pattern yourself after, you can walk after. Okay. First Timothy chapter one and verse 18. Um, Paul, um, Paul breaks down this situation. First Timothy chapter one, verse 18. Paul breaks down this situation to Timothy. He says this, Timothy, this is how you handle difficult people in situations. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. Prophetic words for him to stir up the gift of God that was placed in him by his mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. Also prophetic words about his leadership, things that he's gonna do. Here's what you need to do. May these instructions help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Make sure that they're the Lord's battles. And then once you're in those battles, fight well. First instruction, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience Clear, he says. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. It was for their correction and for the gospel. So Paul says, he says, Son, how you deal with this is gonna determine your destiny and the destiny of people around you. It's gonna determine the effectiveness of the church. It's wonderful to have revival. It's wonderful to see the gospel grow in Ephesus. But it's wonderful to see the revival be stewarded so that a church can grow and mature and live for generations and do better. You know what, my desire for Pathway Church, for Airport Campus, for Foley Campus, for Moffitt Campus, is, is to see us grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and the people. That's a prayer. You know, next week, next year, let's do a little bit better than we did this year. Let's grow. Build on the faith that's been handed to you Grow and then hand off something stronger to the people that are ahead. Now, we're not always gonna do better. Sometimes we're gonna face battles and you know, it's okay to slide back some because a battle is tough. It's tough. You know what? I don't wanna be fighting this battle right now. You know what? The battle has chosen you and when the battle shows up, you better be a warrior clinging fast to your faith in Christ Jesus and maintaining a clear conscience before the Lord. Okay, so Paul says you need to do, you need to do these things. I want, I want us to look just for a second here in verse 19 where he says, he says, clean to your faith in Christ, don't compromise. And he, he says, for some people deliberately violated their conscience as a result. I believe right now that there are churches all over the United States that are apostate. I believe there are churches all over the United States that have departed from this gospel in favor of another gospel. It's not wrapped in another piece of leather. It's the same thing, but they're just choosing not to preach this part. Or I don't like this saying, I don't like this command, so I'm not gonna talk about this. I'm just gonna tear this out. I don't find this inspired. I heard somebody say, well, that's, you really need to understand the meaning of this particular word Okay, hold on a second, let me just get this right. You were saying the nature and character of God is different than what the translator said. So you are enlightened, but the translators of the King James, the NIV, the New Living Translation, the English Standard Version, they are all wrong and you're right. I'm sorry, you're just too smart for me then. Oh, oh, you are now enlightened, but 2000 years of Orthodox Christianity was not promoting this, but somehow just now, We are enlightened and we can make God into whoever or the church into whatever. No, I'm sorry. We can't invent other gospels. We're not here to innovate the gospel. We are here to walk out the gospel, right? Why would we do that? Why would we change what the Bible says? Because dealing with difficult people is challenging. And you know what? Sometimes you say things that are unpopular and people desert you. Your partners in ministry desert you. People say all manner of evil against you. Listen, let me tell you, here's what the Bible says, that if we are ashamed of God in front of man, then he will be ashamed of us in front of the Father. If you are going to compromise, don't compromise with Jesus. You want to get along with people, get along with people, but you better cling fast to your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength and then love our neighbor as ourselves. But we are not loving our neighbor if we tell our neighbor what he wants to hear and we violate the commands of God. God first, everything else second. Paul is saying, Timothy, you think you got it going on? You know, you got the skinny jeans, Timothy. That's really nice. But you, you have a backbone? Do you have the Holy Spirit alive and functioning in you, leading you and guiding you? Can you stand in the day of adversity and represent Jesus? Can you do that? Because a lot of people have withered in their, in their time of challenge and have shipwrecked their faith and in doing so shipwrecked the faiths of others. After over two decades of being a senior pastor, I have seen this happen many times, where a family, someone in a family will get offended at the church, get mad at the church, get mad at somebody in the church, somebody didn't shake their hand, somebody stole their seat, some kind of nonsense, it doesn't even matter. And my small group leader wouldn't make a place for me in this small group, whatever it is, it get like 40 people in a small group and they're in a deficiency apartment. At some point, there's just not enough room. Go to another small group, build a bridge, get over it. Just chill out a little bit, man. We cannot be like this. It's, it, it, it's, it's too much. You see a father and mother get offended at the church and at a critical point in the development of their children, they leave the church with an offense. And then after they've got it out of their system or it got repaired because people also leave the church because church people do stupid things if you're looking for a church with people who don't do stupid things and you find it, don't go there because you will bring stupid things with you. All of us deal in this stuff. Every single one of us. And so they go away, and then when they come back, their children don't like the church. They've rejected the church because they've heard all of the drama and all of the stuff. Listen, just be careful. It's not just your faith. You might be able to be difficult and get over it and move through it and motor through it, but listen, there may be bodies on the ground behind the situation. It's important, Paul says to Timothy, how to deal with this stuff. 2 Timothy chapter four. Here's the rest of this story. Verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I know people talk about church hurt, how pastors have hurt them. Let me tell you, I have been hurt by people in the church many times. I have given away more cars than I've sold. Every dining room table, when we go to get a new, we give our dining room table. We love people. We serve people. I promise you. Sometimes it feels like the people we give the most to are the very people that do you wrong. Anybody ever feel that before? Have you noticed that? Life doesn't just get easy because you become a Christian. Uh, let me just say to the church, please toughen up. Be more robust. Don't, don't be so flimsy. Don't let your family get flimsy. Don't get so easily offended. The Bible says be hard to offend and work hard not to offend others. Instead, some of us are wanting to offend everybody and we're, we're like, I dare you to say something to make me mad. How do you build relationships off of that? Paul is saying, Timothy, you got to understand, people are going to hurt you they're going to do bad things. to so you. Let me tell you how to deal with this. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. But the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Now, I think this is interesting because this is a second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. So it lets you know there's some situations that aren't just going to get handled in one, in one stroke of a pen, in one conversation, in one tweet, in one phone call, or one text. I can say a bunch of things. Don't text conflict. Don't do that, because your words, I, I'll get buried in that. But listen, Paul knew this was a big situation for Timothy to deal with. He said, he did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he's done. What he's saying is, I'm not gonna get even with him. The Lord will handle that situation. While he says that, and he's encouraging Timothy not to become bitter, he says, be careful of him, though, You're about to be the pastor. Listen, I've I've pastored three churches in my life. One, when Kelly and I were babies. I was like 25, she was 21. And we started a church from scratch. And then another church I pastored for about 14 years. Pathway, I've been pastoring for about six years. When I left the church of 14 years, I got a big manila envelope and I wrote a bunch of stuff on a couple sheets of paper. And I told the next pastor where all the bodies were buried I I told them who the people were that would help and love and people you could trust. And then I said, no, this joker right here, if you're sleeping in the same tent, sleep with one eye open, you know? I wrote that name down. Hmm. Paul's doing the same thing. He said, these are wonderful people. These are godly people. No, this person isn't. This person is a snake. This person is godly, but they're still got challenges. They're still working on some things. Paul's telling them, be careful for him for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. What's he talking about? He's talking about the riot back in Acts. He's saying there were people that were a part of the church. There were leaders in the church. And when the going get tough, got tough, my friends got going and I was there all alone. Why would people do that? Would you believe it? There was cancel culture in Ephesus. Have you ever had a friend that talked you into getting involved in a situation? One of their problems? And they they say, hey, would you get out on a limb here with me and help me? Yeah, man, I got your back. You get out there and when the heat turns up, you look back and that joker is off the limb and he's sawing it off with you on there, you know? We got some friends like that. Paul's saying, you got to, be, they, they, they turn their backs on me. May it not be counted against them. Boy, that sounds a lot like Jesus, right? On the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why would, why would Paul say this? Because more than winning the argument, Paul wanted to see these people come to Christ. And so the way that you deal with difficult people isn't just about conquering a situation. It's about preserving the people you're in conflict with. Don't hold a grudge, Pathway Church. Don't hold a grudge. Don't become embittered. I will never forget the day that I had kept this big folder full of emails from a conflict that I had. It spanned over two, three years. Very difficult, very challenging. And I kept thinking I'm going to save all these emails because I'm going to need them one day. I'm going to get this situation sorted out until the Lord got a hold of me. And when, one day before I could even think about it, I just reached over there and deleted that whole folder. It felt like the weight of the world came off of my back. Paul says, may it not be accounted against them. But even though the Lord, everyone left me, verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. What do you mean in its entirety? Well, there were certain things that if Paul preached, it would be just fine because everybody loves the motivational verses in the Bible. Everybody loves the inspirational talks. Everybody loves, you know what? We love the stewardship, the financial stewardship message series because it, uh, help you to get more money. Anybody want more money? Just to be honest, you want more money. Yeah. But in some, you want to hear about that, but then you don't want to hear about how that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Uh, no, Paul said, no, I'm going to preach the word in its entirety. Oh, I like the part about relationships, but I don't like the part about not committing fornication because I I need to be with somebody before I get married. No. Scripture says that you should not have sexual relationships with someone unless you are married to that someone well i i I don't want to preach that because people will abandon me no paul says timothy you need to preach the full gospel in its entirety if you do even if the world turns against you the lord will stand with you and if the lord is with you if god be for us who can be against us And you know, Jenny, the reality is, it's not about building a bigger crowd. It's about making disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we don't preach the word of God, how will they know that they're sinners? And if they don't know they're sinners, how will they believe on Jesus? And if they don't believe on Jesus, how can they confess their sins and confess that Jesus is Lord? And if they don't confess that Jesus is Lord, how will they be saved? And if they aren't saved, how will they be healed and transformed and be crafted into the image and character to reflect the nature of Jesus Christ? Now, I've watched people do this. I've seen them carve up the Bible. And you know what I see? I see churches shrinking and denominations failing. I see entire denominations propping themselves up off of properties that have been paid for from previous generations who were faithful to the scriptures. Let me tell you. The way forward is not by dumbing this sucker down. The way forward is to preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ so our sons and daughters and our neighbors and so that we will be saved by a transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Timothy, you gotta be be strong in this thing. And then he rescued me from certain death, yes. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into the heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever. Endeavor, amen. He's saying, in effect, and Timothy, he will do it for you too. He will do it for you too. I want to give you really quickly these quick takeaways on how to deal with difficult people. I'm not going to embellish them a lot, I just want to give them to you. It, it, It comes from what I just preached on how to deal with difficult people or how Paul dealt with Alexander the coppersmith. First of all, cling to your faith in Christ. Say that with me. Cling to your faith in Christ. Pathway Church, I am ambitious for the gospel and for the kingdom of God in our community. I'm ambitious for my family. I'm ambitious for whatever it is that God's placed in my hands. I want to be a good steward of it. You know, there's a one-talent servant, a two-talent servant, and a five-talent servant. Honestly, just being totally honest, I feel like I'm a solid two-talent talent, servant, and I can out-hustle a lazy five-talent guy. That's how I feel about me. I, I, I want Foley Campus to thrive. When we launched Airport Campus, I was sad because so many people went from, when we, when we launched Airport Campus, I was sad because so many people from Moffitt went to airport and it just felt like the church got decaffeinated from one Sunday to the next. But you know what the Lord did? He filled those seats. He gave us increase. God has blessed us. And there's a beautiful airport campus that's loving Jesus and God is doing so much stuff in you. And look at how God has raised up our student pastor to be campus pastor. I'm so thankful for Pastor Adam Parker. Don't you love him? He's a good preacher. He, that family is special, special. I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for Foley Campus. And you know, I don't know what the Lord has in the future, but whatever it is we're doing, I want us to give it all that we have. But listen to me. If we never get to put another pound of food in somebody's car, if we never get to help another orphan in Cambodia or Guatemala or Paraguay or Ukraine, if we never get to preach another sermon, if this building was taken from us next week, if we face the most difficult challenges you could possibly face, if there's one thing that you're gonna do Cling to your faith in Jesus Christ and you don't let go until you stand before God and you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to do well. I believe if you'll follow the principles in this word and you'll commit your life to God, that God will bless you and he will prosper you. But you know what? David, he even said, even if I make my bed in hell, God, I know that you'll be there. If your body is racked with cancer and your financial situation is racked with debt and there's some kind of relational chaos going on in your world, by all means, cling fast, fast to Jesus Christ and to your faith in Jesus Christ and don't give up and don't quit. If God never gives you what it is that you think that you deserve or what you want, if you get Jesus, you have gotten all that you need. Somebody give God a great big hand clap and let's bless him for that. Paul said to do that. Paul also said this, he said, don't compromise. Don't water down the scriptures. You don't know better than God. God said it, you believe it, that settles it. No, let's cut the middle out of that. God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. Preach the word of God. Lock your knees, stiffen your spine as you stand over your family, praying over them and the forces of adolescence and the forces of peer pressure and relationships and social media begins to push in and influencers begin to push in. Say, baby, I pay for the roof over your head. I feed you you, your food. I I give you your clothes and you can do whatever you want with your life. But as long as you live in this house, Jesus is the Lord of this house. don't, Don't quit, don't give up. When your kids move out and they're on their own, And they get into things as grown people that you don't want them to get into. Don't compromise your faith. You can still love your kids. You can still love your neighbors and you better love Jesus. So don't don't compromise, Amen. amen? Number three, don't get bitter. Number four, appropriately respond. Alexander the coppersmith, he dealt with him. He dealt with Hymenaeus. There are things that you have to do Actually, if we can go ahead and have our music. Now, there are some things that you have to do, some things that you don't want to do, but respond appropriately. If you are in a relationship where you are battered, if your spouse is abusive, I'm not talking about, you know, saying something. If your spouse hits you in the face, don't call your pastor. Call the police. I don't know, pastor. Aren't we supposed to turn the other cheek? Do that while that joker is in jail. You get safe. But pastor, aren't we supposed to forgive? Yes, and you're also supposed to live and you should be treated with dignity. Should I divorce that person? I don't know. Look, right now what you need to do is you need to get to a place of safety and be protected. Okay, you shouldn't live under threat. I can say a lot of other different situations. Don't, there are things to work through. We all bring stuff into our relationships and into our world. Even the apostle Paul, he would say, there is an end to what you can deal with in the church. But even when he dealt very difficultly with Alexander the coppersmith, he said it, he did it so that they would be saved. Sometimes, pastor, my my son has a a drug habit. He's robbing me blind in the house. Kick him out of the house. I, I I don't wanna do that. I'm not telling you exactly what to do. You've gotta work that out. But what I am saying is there is a point that you have to come to, that you have to have the most difficult conversations in the world, and you need to respond appropriately. If you've got to get them in a car and take them to a rehab, whatever, we've got some wonderful, godly, Christian rehabilitation programs in our community. We would be glad to help, whatever it is. But I just know this, there is an appropriate response. Number five, be careful. Paul says, basically, I'll kind of put my own spin on it. He says, hurt people, hurt people. A lot of times the people that are, lash out the most have been on the receiving end of some really difficult things. i want to share this with you. Second grade, there was a kid that was so violent to all of the other kids. It's like I was in second grade, everybody's in second grade. He was in second grade, but I promise he should have been in sixth. He, it it's probably his age. Man, one day, man, he just really roughed me up and it was embarrassing more than what it hurt. You know, it was more embarrassing because it happened in front of my friends. And I remember coming home to my dad and my dad asked what was wrong because he, he could see that, you know, I was disheveled. I was, you know, I'm trying to put on a good face, but some stuff you can't hide. My dad asked me what's wrong. So I told him, he said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to go tell his dad. My dad, in his wisdom, put me in the car. We drove over to his house. My dad knew exactly where he lived. I get, my dad was a pastor. He just knew. We went over to his house and as we pulled up, that boy's dad was beating him in the yard. Probably something that happened to him every single day. Hurt people hurt people. I'll never forget that. I, when I saw that, I didn't want him to tell his dad then. Then I had compassion towards somebody that had been abusive to me. Difficult people. Be cautious. Be careful. But ask the Lord to give you compassion. I would say this in these difficult conversations. Understand this. This is instruction for you. Don't go personal. As you're talking about difficult topics, don't go personal. It's not about person, people. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this world, the air. When you're having great conflict, a spiritual conflict, there's a big challenge. It's not about that person. It's about what the enemy is doing. Petty people go personal. When somebody starts name calling, you know they've already lost the argument. Stay above that stuff. It's not about that argument in that moment. It may be a decades long journey that you're gonna have with that person. And how you engage in that conversation may not even be about you winning. It may be about how you carry yourself in that challenge. I'm gonna come back to that here in just a second. I'm gonna finish that story from before. Seven, pray for their maturity and salvation. And then lastly, stand with God because he gives the victory. There are things that I think I can win and there are some things that only God can bring the victory in. I want you to stand with me all over this house, airport campus. In this conversation I was telling you about a little earlier, you know, I don't make it a habit to post super controversial things and and, and let me say this, we have something that we're gonna do here both at airport and at Moffitt, so If you could just hang with me, I'm having you stand to to engage this next piece, but just, if you could just hang with me. There's a number of reasons why I don't like to get involved in highly controversial topics, unless it's necessary. One, you know, we do things like buy a tree, change a life. We have partners all over the United States. We have business partners name brand businesses that are Fortune 500 companies that are participating with what we're doing. And there are some things I wanna be careful in how I give my voice to it, because it could, it could matter. You know what I'm saying? So I wanna be very careful, but I've decided I can do two things at once. I can walk and chew gum at the same time. We, we can build something over here and we can defend the faith over here. And if I, if I lose my right to build something over here, and that's the price To pay for being faithful to Jesus, I wanna be faithful to the Lord. I just wanna get good at what I'm doing. I wanna navigate it well. Remember that conversation I was telling you about? That in this social media post, some people got pretty wild in what they were saying. I had to delete off some things that they said. It was so accusatory and so difficult. And that wasn't even just to me. To me, I don't even care. It doesn't even bother me. It was to other people that did nothing at all. And so one of the comments was about the church of Jesus Christ and how hateful it is. And there's some comments that were directed to me and to the church. And then somebody commented, this is a young woman that was a part of my ministry some 12, 14, 15 years ago. I'm gonna leave her name out and I'm gonna share her testimony. She's been open about her testimony. She said this. She said, I understand your concern, but I can attest to Travis Johnson and his ministry not being judgmental, as you say. When I was in a homosexual relationship, I did attend his church and I did so with my partner. They accepted and loved us like their friends. I eventually came to a crossroads and I wanted to follow Christ. Travis was kind enough to talk to me about my lifestyle and gently correct me as God led him to do at the time. I remember that. She was getting ready for baptism, going through that process. And I just shared with her what baptism was. That It was a dying to self and a resurrection in Christ that our old man was buried and we're resurrected new in Christ and old things are gone. And now we are a new creation and we're following after Jesus. She said, at that time, I was not offended. I always respected him and Jesus sacrificed for me for that matter. And let me say, she was a, attended the church for a long time leading up to this moment. It was a real substantial decision that she was making. She said, but I was hurt and I turned away from God for a while. Since Travis was faithful to God's word, that conversation we had always stuck with me and I never forgot it. I believe I needed that correction. And because of that, I was able to later see more clearly And I was able to come back to the Lord and repent of my sins. By the way, that's something that every one of us has had to do if we're followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? I believe the Lord took my desires away to be with the same sex and replaced them with the desire to be with a man again. I am now happily married to the man God gifted me due to my obedience. We both came to Jesus within weeks of each other and God is now the center of our lives. I don't see anything wrong with using God's word to correct and rebuke. God said that in the end times, the ba- that bad or sin would be recognized as good. And I think that's exactly what is being pointed out in this post. This post is clearly not what God wants for humanity. And if Christians don't call out evil, then we aren't doing our jobs as disciples of Christ. Before I say anything else, I wanna say thank God for his transforming power that is in Christ Jesus. I remember that day and many days like it. Our ministry has always made room for everyone to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You you can't be living in open sin and lead a small group. You can't hold to some other belief and be a member of the church. But everybody has a place to hear the gospel. How will they be saved if they don't get to hear the preached word of God? I remember that day though, because we loved this young woman as a friend. And I remember that conversation. I remember for a moment, I thought, I could just go ahead and baptize her and we just skip right over this. It was always one of the most difficult conversations to have but it is the truth of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. And I'm thankful today. The Bible says God's word does not return void. And there is, and has been a celebration in heaven because my friend who is now my dear sister in Christ Jesus is a new creation in Christ Jesus, just like I am. Just like, I've got problems given to Jesus. He's the Lord of my life. Am I battling things? You bet you I am until the last breath that I breathe, you and I will be battling things. But let me tell you, let me tell you, there is nothing too difficult, no situation too difficult, no person too difficult. We are not too difficult. We are not too complicated for God to do a work inside of us. That's the kind of church I want us to be. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.